Go with me to 1 Corinthians 2 and Ephesians 5. 1 Corinthians 2 and Ephesians 5. How many guys are enjoying this nice weather? I feel like nice weather at this point in the year is kind of like an abusive relationship. Let me explain why. Like, stay with me, all right? A lot of you guys just got off. Stay with me. Like, how many guys like Applebee's? Anybody like Applebee's? See, I feel like <laughs> a lot of you guys go to Applebee's every Thursday, and I don't get it. Because, like, this is why. See, you go to Applebee's, and you feel disgusting afterwards, right? And you tell yourself, and if you don't feel disgusting afterwards, you need to detox. Like, heaven's sakes. But you, like, you feel disgusting afterwards, and then you're, you're like, how many guys have said this? That's it. I'm not eating Applebee's again. Like, that is it. I'm done. Like, I've said that about B-dubs, like Buffalo Wild Wings. I had Buffalo Wild Wings with a friend one night. I was so sick on the drive home. I thought I was going to throw up while I was driving. I had to, like, pull over. I was like, never again, never again. Like, three weeks later, we're out at South Center, right? And I'm like, this time it's going to be different. Like, I know last time I felt so sick, but, like, they had to have changed their food, and this time it was going to be completely different. And then you go back, and then you feel sick again, right? And you're just disappointed, and your heart hurts inside. That's how, that's how I feel about the sun right now, because I know it's going to go. Like, I know it's going to leave, and it makes me sad, but maybe this year it'll be different, and we'll have, like, 360 sunny days, Right? I'm just killing time in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just killing time till you guys get to 1 Corinthians 2. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 2, we'll start in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Read it one more time. Just as it is written, things which eye has not seen an ear has not heard, and which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And let's look at our key scripture for this series in Ephesians 5, verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to speak to you tonight just around the thought, don't shrink your what? Don't shrink your what? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have plans for us. You have purpose for us that every single person in this room you created with intention. No one is an afterthought or a side effect of decisions, but God, you are in full of intention. And I pray for every single one of us is we look forward in our lives. We would not shrink what you have for us. And we thank you that you're with us to accomplish something great. Your name, amen. How many guys wanted to be something great when you were growing up, right? Like, I remember, I remember uh, when I was really young, I fell in love with Dirk Nowitzki. Anybody know Dirk Nowitzki? Like, super tall European basketball player, like, German guy. Now, understand, like, I have a football player's body, and I fell in love with basketball, 
And my, I'm really good at moving people. Like, that's my job. I hit you really hard and you get out of the way, right? But I do not move fast. Like, I'm not agile. I'm kind of more of a bowling ball. Like, that's kind of the way I work. And, but I decided, like, I love basketball, right? And I played basketball year round, 365 days a year from sixth grade to my sophomore year in high school. And I remember standing, like, the house I grew up in Portland, like, you come up the stairs, bedrooms are on each side, and there's this full-length mirror at the top of the stairs. And I started using it when I realized I should probably care about what I look like before I leave the house, you know? And I was standing in front of it one day, and it, like, light bulb hit. Dude, you're six foot, 275 pounds. Basketball's probably not going to be your profession, right? Hit me. All the, hey, sweet. Picked up a bass, fell in love with music. It's worked for me ever since, right? But I think a lot of us start life or start a season or start dreaming really, really big. And then because of bad decisions and poor boundaries and not really understanding reality, all of a sudden where we land is over here and it's kind of this safe, comfortable not a ton of risk. We stopped dreaming a while ago. I'm just going to make it through college. I'm just going to settle for this. And I want to walk us through tonight a couple things. I want to walk us through what we've talked about so far in this series. But I also want to break down the anatomy of making decisions. There is psychology attached to how we decide what we do. And the way that life works and the way life follows after the decisions that we make. So I got seven quick thoughts for you tonight, all right? Seven quick thoughts about how you make decisions. And I know I talk fast, so I had Brittany write them down for me. Yeah, I thought that through. Look at that. So the first one is this, anatomy of a decision. The first one in the seven steps is this. You become aware that you need to make a decision. You're hungry. I should probably make a decision to eat, right? You, you become aware of, wow, I, I'm really feeling this tension with my parents. I should probably work on boundaries. You become aware, wow, she's cute. I should probably ask her out, right? You become aware, I don't like my job anymore. I should probably get a new one. And there's this other type of awareness, though. Anybody ever felt just unsettled? Just in life, in the decisions that you're making and the way life is working, you just end up feeling antsy. I was feeling that before I moved here. There was just this unsettling and I could not figure out why I just didn't feel home. You know, you know when you land somewhere and life is jiving and things are working, you're in rhythm, right? But then you fall out of rhythm and f things feel a little bit Weird. There can be obvious decisions we become aware of, but sometimes there's these internal, I'm out of rhythm, I got to figure out why I'm not feeling quite right. That's also awareness. But you become aware that you need to make a decision. The second step is this. We're going to fly through the first ones, dive into the last part. The second one is this. You begin to explore. Why do I feel unsettled? Why do I notice her? Why am I deciding that I want a new job? Why am I feeling the way I feel? A lot of us are good at these two things, right? We will realize that we're out of rhythm. 
We'll realize that we need to make a decision. We'll realize that there's something obvious or not so obvious going on. And then those of us who are emotionally intelligent will pause long enough to ask the question, why do I feel the way I do? I love David writes, King David in the Psalms writes this. He says, search my inward parts, O God, and find any anxious ways in me. He's asking the Holy Spirit, hey, will you make bright in my life the areas that I'm feeling out of rhythm? But this is the key to this. You have to pause long enough to hear the answer. A lot of us feel out of rhythm, and instead of pausing to figure it out, we just keep plowing, hoping that we'll just fall back into rhythm. And we end up just getting used to feeling out of rhythm. Instead of pausing long enough to ask the question, what is out of balance right now? Next step is this. You have to experiment. Okay, I know that I want to find a new job. Not making enough money to move out of mom and dad's house. So I need to get promoted. I need a new job. I want to move out. Bam, here we go. This is the thing, though. A lot of us become aware that we're out of balance. We will even explore why we feel that way. And then we just complain about it. Man, I'm just I'm not making enough money at my job. Well, why don't you do something? Like, you're not a slave to your job. You can go get a new job. Man, I'm just super frustrated with this friendship. Well, have you said anything about it? No, I just really want to complain about it. Like, man, I know I need to go back to school. Well, have you applied? No, I don't have... What, what are you doing right now that's reminding you that you have control of your life? So that's experimenting, right? I remember sitting down with someone who really wanted to enter a job field, and, I, and he was like, man, I don't even know where to start. And I was like, well, you know someone who works in that field. You should probably just take him to lunch and ask him what he did. That's, ex that's experimenting, right? Putting your hand into the pot, dipping your toe into the pool to figure out, okay, is this something I like? You have to experiment. So you become aware, you explore what the decision is, you begin to experiment with what your options are, and then this is important. You find your what. You find your what. This is important. My favorite scripture, I, I say it every week, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is vision, people perish. A lot of us become aware that we're not happy. We explore what our options are. Some of us will even experiment. But until we figure out what our north is, we're not going to see any movement. But the tool that we need to use when we reach this what is this. We talked about it the first week. Ask yourself this question. Is this wise? This, this what that I found. I want to go back to school. I want to enter into that relationship. I want to take that job. I want to deal with this friendship. I want to do this. Your what? Ask your question, is this wise? We broke it down to three parts. In light of my past circumstance, in light of my current reality, and in light of my future hope, is this wise? Do I know my tendencies? Am I just recreating dysfunction? Am I just falling even more out of balance? Do I know my tendencies? Do I know my history? current reality. A lot of us mess up decisions because we do not have an accurate estimate of our current reality. A lot of us overestimate 
our current reality and we bite off more than we can chew. Or we underestimate our value and we never commit to something great. Do you have an accurate understanding of where you are currently? And then, in light of my future hopes and dreams, is this wise? Some of us need to be reminded that you do not have to take the first job you are offered. (laughs) Talking to young adults, and they're like, yeah, I work from like 11 p.m. to 11 a.m., seven days a week, and I'm exhausted. Why? Why why do you do that? Well, it was the only job I could find. No, 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 it wasn't. Like, there's a lot of other jobs out there. You, you got to ask the question, is that current reality, is that wise? Like, are you really going to just flip? Here's an example. When I was in college, I worked almost 50 hours a week, went to school full-time, and volunteered at my church, almost another full-time job. Not an understanding of my current reality and was not in line of what I wanted to accomplish in the future. Ask yourself the question before you commit to your what, is this wise? Is this realistic? Please pause and ask yourself the question, not in perfect land. Perfect land doesn't exist. You can dream there, but you have to come back to reality. Is this reality? Is this sustainable? Will this work? Is it wise? Once you figure out your what, though, you have to commit to it. Next step, commit. Commit to your what? Commit. Our generation stinks at this. If we could change the world with ideas, the world would already be changed. But our generation loves the pursuit of the idea. We'll even tweet about it, and we'll give money to it. But when it comes to us actually committing to it, nah, no, no, that's, I can't do that. At some point, you have to take the plunge. At some point, if you have vetted your what, if you've really explored and experimented well, and you've realized this is what I want, then it is safe to commit to it. And then you got to own it. You have to own it. You will not see momentum until you grab it until you say I'm in, until you really go for it. And by the way, telling other people you're going to do it is not committing. Telling other people I'm going to go back to college. Nah, well, I'll believe it when you go back to college. Telling other people I'm going to break up with her, I'm going to end that relationship with him. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see the Facebook status change. Like, I'll believe it when you take the dating emoji off your Instagram. Talking isn't doing. This is a great quote. Write this down. You can make a difference or you can make excuses, but you can't do both. You make a difference, you can make excuses, you can't do both. So you can make excuses all day as to why you haven't committed to this thing that you've decided you wanted. Or you could commit and make a difference. We talked about this tool, chasing down your decision and the three parts to that. If this goes really, really well, what's the outcome? But then we have to remember to ask the question, if this goes bad, like really bad, what's the outcome? And then ask even after that, if this goes really bad, can I live with that? Can I really live with it if it goes bad? 
Honestly, if I'm being real with myself, if I try to force my way out of the friend zone with her, sure, sweet. If it goes well, happily ever after, 2.5 kids, white picket fence, 401k, works out great, right? But if it goes bad, I lose this friendship that I have. If it goes bad and I lose this friendship that I have, could I honestly, truly live with that? Some of us, I said this when we talked on this thought. I, I love this phrase, and I used it. Thank God for my wife. She is saving our finances. But my, Brittany said this. I, I said this to Brittany when I bought my BMW. I can afford it, which meant I could afford the payments on it. Like, I could not buy the car. I could just afford the payments. She said this. That's, that's great, but you really want to be in a loan for that long? The bad part? What happens if it breaks down? Like, you don't know how to work on cars. Are you going to pay someone to work on your car? Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But if I had paused long enough to ask the question, am I really okay, honestly, if this goes bad? Absolutely not. You can commit to your what if you've taken the time to really vet it out. Next one is this. How? See, a lot of us, though, this is the problem with decision-making, is a lot of us become aware we need to make a decision, we explore, we experiment, and then we move the how over in front of the what. We figure out, hey, I want to go back to college, and then the first thing in our head is, but I can't afford it. Hey, I, <laughs> I need to end this relationship, but I don't know how to have that conversation. Hey, I need to move out but, man, I, I'm really comfortable in the job I'm at now. We shrink what we're saying we're dedicated to because we haven't figured out how it's going to happen. That's why I want to challenge you to never shrink your what. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the wonderful things that God has for you. If I'm being honest, this, this is a challenging thought. Your life reflects what you're truly committed to. Challenging thought. My story about wanting to be an NBA player, if I'm being honest, I could have made it to the NBA. Sure, whatever. There are shorter guys than me that were all-stars in the NBA. The truth was this. I claimed I was committed to making it, but my life showed something else. My commitment and lack of commitment shrunk my what? Because I wasn't willing to think beyond how it could work out. Ask yourself this question. What dream have you killed? Because you just can't wrap your mind around how it's going to happen. Anatomy of a decision. Momentum comes when I commit first. And then figure out how it's going to happen. Why? Because of this. People get attracted to people that are doing stuff. Man, Brittany and I have people ask us to invest in companies. They, have, they ask us to say, hey, can, I have this idea. Could you help fund it? Hey, I, I want to go back to school. I'm going on this missions trip. I want to I have this tough conversation. Can you coach me in it? Man, we have people approaching us all the time for stuff. The ones we take the time to spend with people are the ones who are already taking steps to make it happen. Why? Because I'm attracted to momentum. We all are. You will spend time around people that are doing something with their lives. And this community will help support people 
that and grow people that are doing something with their lives. Got to commit first, and then the how comes out of the woodwork. Last one is this, and then we're going to break, is the who, not the band, but who, people. Some of us are stuck because the people around us can't push us forward. I want to say that again. Some of us are stuck because the people around us can't help us take the next step. Some of us need to change the who we are spending time with. And this applies to Jesus. A lot of us are looking to people to give us the momentum that only a changed life through Jesus can give. Some of us are looking for change from the inside out, and we've had a thousand late-night conversations with our friends, and we're wondering why we just can't pull it together. But ask the question, is because you haven't committed to the right who yet. Fundamentally, you want to see what no eye has seen happen in your life. You want to accomplish what no ear has heard in your life. you got to start with the right who. Fundamentally, the right who is Jesus. But then beyond that, I ask you the question, are you around people that are comfortable with your current version? Are you around people that are comfortable with who you are right now? Are you around people that see greatness in you and are dedicated to helping pull that out of you? Are you rubbing shoulders with people that are steps further down the road than you? Or have you and your friends just gotten really comfortable with being comfortable? Challenging thought. Because remember, people with momentum attract people with momentum. And people that are sitting back stay back. What is it in your life that you have been aware for a long time needs to change? But the level of commitment has left it there. What are the things in your life that you're aware needs to change but haven't really allowed yourself to dream about what changing that could look like? What's the thing in your life that you let die a long time ago because I'm not sure how to do that? What's the outer rhythm, dysfunctional thing in your life that if you would just commit to seeing change would actually change? I want to end with, with small groups tonight. And we small groups are a little differently. We just gather around with people that we're comfortable talking with that we know we do life with. And I would encourage guys to talk with guys, girls talk with girls. I know it's a little weird, young adults, but for this topic, I think it'll be good. So... I, would, I want you to answer some questions, though. Write these down. Those of you who are note-takers, write them down so that way your group can stay focused. All right? First one is this. What dream have you allowed to die because you don't know how it's going to happen? What change, what dream in your life have you allowed to die because you don't know how it's going to happen? Some of us, that's Relationships. We have been in a dysfunctional relationship for a long time because we just can't figure out how life would continue without them. Some of us, we've lived in fiscal dysfunction or stayed at a dead-end job because we just haven't been able to figure out how 
it'll change. The second one is this. Do you need to change who you're committed to? Some of us were committed to ourselves first and then God. Some of us were committed to an old group of friends and we just have our toe in the water with this Jesus thing, but we're scared. Do we need to change who we're committed to? Do we need to change who we're rubbing shoulders with? So why don't you just break off and talk and uh, grab a couple people around you, have a conversation, and we'll wrap up in a couple minutes. So I want to honor your time. You just pause for a second. Looks like everybody's having a good conversation, but I want to honor your time and end on time. Um, One last thought that we were talking about in our group. I I hope you guys had great conversation and and learned about each other and got encouragement. Um, One thing we were talking about that I'm learning right now is I I think there's times where I I shrink my what because of who I'm committed to. Like, I'm really loyal and I, I think there's, we need to realize there's a difference between the mission of our lives and the place we're currently expressing it. You know, I, I feel really called, I feel really called to helping people fix stuff. Like whether that's in an organization or in their personal life, like that's what my mission is. And the current place I'm expressing that is my role here at the church, right? But if you took the church away, my mission doesn't change. I would ask, encourage you to ask yourself the question over the next week, am, am I married to a certain way of expressing what my calling is or what I feel called to because that's comfortable for me right now? There could be a chance that you're shrinking or holding back your mission because you're being loyal, loyal to a specific model. And I would encourage you, hey, not everyone needs to be a youth pastor. We need more people in community centers loving on youth, right? Not, a, not every person needs to make a million dollars for themselves. We need a lot of people that make a million dollars so they can help third world countries and help poverty here, right? Not everybody needs to be a lawyer so they can be famous. We need lawyers for the people who can't afford it, right? So own your mission and then believe that God will help you find the expression of it, right? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you. For community, we thank you for the power of rubbing shoulders with people that want to see the best out of us and want us to see us reach what you have for us. I pray over the next week we'd ask ourselves some tough questions. Am I shrinking what I'm being called to because I can't figure out how it's going to happen? Am I shrinking what I'm called to because I'm not spending time around the right people? Am I shrinking? what I'm called to because I'm scared to commit. And I pray that we would answer those and then we'd see change and growth one step at a time. We thank you, God, that you help us write the best story. You help us live out the best version of ourselves. And we're committed to you first, knowing that if we commit to you, we're going to see things we've never seen and we're going to experience things we've never experienced because your grace is going to work in us to work through us. And we thank you for that, your name.